thank you for being here uh, today. Uh, that's what Ronnie asked last week, wasn't just be here. And uh, so thank you for being here. Uh, let me share a need in our church with you before I get started into the message. Uh, I think it's good occasionally to let you know that there are certain needs here within our church. Uh, just like Ronnie, several weeks ago, we had a prayer service here on Sunday morning. He shared several needs in our church, and you guys have been so faithful to pray. And uh, there's so many praise reports that have come out of that, and I'm just grateful uh, for that. Uh, but we have a lady here in our church, Ann Haley, who is being diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, Ann and Dennis, her husband, have been coming here for quite a while now. She serves in our children's ministry, and both of them have accepted a challenge here recently as serving as life group leaders, and so I'm very excited uh, about that and their new group that they're going to be working with. Uh, but they're going to be doing a benefit for her on November the 11th, that's next Saturday. Uh, it's going to be at Open Door uh, Baptist Church. Her son is the pastor there, Jeremy Garrett. And uh, so they're going to be doing a benefit for her there next Saturday. And I don't have the times on that, uh, but uh, you can find that out. Um, two things I need from you. Uh, one is they're going to do a silent auction. Uh, I'm assuming that's a silent auction. Uh, it's going to be done very quiet. Uh, but they need items uh, for the silent auction, donated items. Uh, that they can put out there for people to come by and make bids on. They're going to raise money through that, uh, as well as they're going to be selling plates. So if you have an item uh, that you would like to bring uh, here uh, before next Saturday, then we'll make sure they get it over there. Uh, please bring it by this week. Uh, someone will be here. I'm going to be out of town Monday, Tuesday uh, of this week, but you can bring it by. Someone will be here to uh, take that from you. Then I'll make sure it gets over to Open Door uh, for the benefit. Also, another thing you can do if you don't have an item you want to give for a donation for a silent auction is you can just make a donation of money, which will offset the cost of the food. I think they're going to do barbecue plates. Um, the more money they get to help offset the cost of the food, that's more money that can go to help with medical expenses and those type of things. And so uh, more than anything, be praying for her. She's already started her treatments, her and Dennis. Uh, and uh, just remember her in your prayers if you will do that. Today I'm going to be talking to you about missions. Uh, seems like every time I get up here, that's what I've been charged to do, is talk about missions. Uh, last year about this time, I talked about our mission strategies. Uh, here not too long ago when our mission team went out, I talked about missions. Uh, but it's a very important part of what we do. And so I want to talk to you about this one thing. Now Jesus, as the primary purpose of our lives, gave to us the Great Commission. Simply put, the Great Commission says this, Go and make disciples. One thing. Now, I love the idea of simplicity, focusing on a few things and doing those things really well. As a matter of fact, the goal every year of my life is to simplify my life, uh, to kind of remove some of the complications and those things. It doesn't work very well, but, you know, we dream of that simple life. And so I'm all about simplicity and sim simplifying uh, my life and, and, and what we do. Uh, he's given us one thing. Uh, highly successful people understand this concept. Uh, they focus on one thing. They do it better than anyone else. And they're successful. The Apostle Paul also understood this concept. Everything in his life was focused on this one thing. He sacrificed having a family. He sacrificed a career that would have brought comforts and prestige. He sacrificed his life while he was alive as well as in death. 
Because of that one thing, the Apostle Paul became a target. He was imprisoned in Philippi, run out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Damascus and Berea, laughed at in Athens, considered a fool in Corinth, and declared a blasphemer and lawbreaker in Jerusalem. And he was stoned and left for dead in Lystra. Sounds like an exciting life, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes this of himself, beginning in verse 24. It says, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. The Apostle Paul sacrificed much for this one thing. He was driven and motivated by this one thing. A simple life, but a difficult life. But in the midst of all that he endured, these words became the anthem of his life. And they're found in Romans 1.16. Most of you probably know this verse by heart. In the NLT it says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I love the way the NIV puts it. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Guys, when we sell out to this one thing, the cost is high, but the rewards are far greater. For the Apostle Paul, the cost was extremely high, but he focused on the rewards. He focused on the treasures that he was laying up because of the one thing that he dedicated his life to. One thing that we've been given to do, one thing as a church, one thing as individuals that we have been charged to do here on this earth is to fulfill the great commission. Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. And I hope today along with him we can all make that claim. That it becomes the anthem of our life. That we are not ashamed of the gospel. Now, to be successful in doing this one thing, the Great Commission, there's a few things we need to understand about the gospel that is found here in verse 116 in Romans. First of all, if we're going to be successful, it requires boldness. How many times have you been given the opportunity to share Christ with someone you know, but for whatever reason you just passed it up? How many times have you had the opportunity to invite a friend or a family member or a neighbor to church? For whatever reason, you just kept quiet. 
It requires us to be bold. It requires for us to step up. It requires for us to step out. It requires us to be obedient. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. The shame here refers to coming to a place of disappointment about something you have put your trust in. Paul put his trust in Jesus Christ. And he was not about to be ashamed of it. Guys, every time that we back down or we say nothing or we just keep quiet, in a small way we're showing that we're somewhat ashamed of this gospel that we've been charged to give to others. The Apostle Paul had one purpose in life. He was a single-focused man. Now, it wasn't that he didn't have other interests or priorities. It was that nothing else compared to the importance of following Christ's command to make disciples. I know there's a lot of things going on in our life, a lot of important things, a lot of good things. There's a lot of people that are important to it, our family and those, uh, those values in our life. A lot of things that we deem important. But I believe the Apostle Paul had it right. To him, there was nothing that compared to doing and living obediently to what God had called him to do in sharing this one thing. Now, when most people think of boldness, I think the image they get in their mind is some Bible thumper or some street preacher on the corner judging and condemning everybody and you know being loud and very brass and all those things. And, and, so, and that's kind of the image we get in our mind. But I want you to remember this. Boldness combined with compassion leads to proper action. Boldness without compassion leads to judgment. You see, I think it requires boldness, but I also think that's got to be accompanied with love and compassion toward others. In other words, if you're going to talk to someone about their sin, if you're going to talk to someone about hell, if you're going to talk to someone about where they are with Christ, you better do so with a broken heart. Because if you just do it out of arrogance and boldness, then you're judging. And the Apostle Paul was filled with compassion. He lived every day with the idea that time is short. That every person was a breath away from heaven or hell. And this urgency created in him a boldness that could not be stopped. Guys, we need a boldness that cannot be stopped. That will not be stopped. Filled with compassion and love as we do this one thing. Now, a few weeks ago, there was a terrible shooting in Las Vegas. Many people were killed, many others injured. I mean, it was a tragic event, unexplainable. And as you watch the footage of the media coverage of this event, you probably notice some, what we would say, what we may deem as inappropriate activities that were going on. Normally when someone is injured, they call the ambulance. The ambulance comes out, they load them up in the ambulance. The ambulance treats them as they are on their way to the hospital. But when they were shooting this footage, there were people placing people in cars and trucks and whatever they could get them on to get them to the hospital. Now, maybe under normal circumstances, that may seem odd, that may seem inappropriate. But under the conditions in which they found themselves, they adapted and they did what was necessary in order to make it happen. They were trying to save lives. If they didn't get them to the hospital, they were going to die. And so at that moment, 
This urgency grew within them and the boldness to do whatever it took overcome them. Guys, I want to tell you something today. We live in a time where conditions call for that kind of boldness. It's time we do whatever it takes in order to reach people with Christ. It's time we do whatever is required, whatever is necessary in order to tell people about Jesus Christ. It's time as a church we start speaking up. It's time we start stepping up and stepping out and being obedient to the one thing in which God has given us to do. If the day and time in which we live in doesn't require boldness, then I don't know what does. And guys, we're living in that time. We're living in that time, and I'm here to tell you the church has been quiet way too long. We've been silent way too long. We've got to be bold. Boldness just simply means that you're overcome with this overwhelming compassion and love for others that you can no longer keep the gospel from them. That when the opportunity presents itself, you speak up. When the person is in front of you and you have that opportunity, you say something. Listen, it requires boldness. Secondly, it demands transformation. Let me get a show of hands. How many of you guys want to make a difference in this world? I mean, we want to make a difference in this world, right? We want to leave this world a little better than what we found it. At least our little part of the world. We want to make a difference. But when we look around and we see all the problems in this world, they seem so large. I mean, world hunger is a huge problem. War and conflict is a huge problem. Terrorism is a large problem. These things are big. And it's a big world. So how in the world can me, I, make any kind of difference in this world? Well, in this verse it says, For it is the power of God at work. For it is the power of God at work. Now, this kind of takes all the pressure off of us. It's the power of God at work. The word power here is where we get our word dynamite. It's explosive. It's powerful. The gospel has the power to change the world. Where we are limited, the gospel is not. Now, Paul understood the power that was available to him because it had made a difference in him. He had witnessed firsthand the difference that it had made in other places and in other people. He had revisited these cities, these churches that he had planted, and he saw people far different than the way he found them. And so he saw the difference in their life. He experienced the difference on the Damascus Road. You see, this power that I'm talking about is transformational. It not only changes us, but it'll change others. Remember this. What has made a difference in you, you will share with others. If Jesus has changed your life and he's transforming your life, you're going to talk about it. If it's made a difference in you, you're going to tell other people about it. If it's transforming you, you're going to tell people about it. You know, we go out here and we find some financial investment that's a guaranteed deal and we can make big money off of it. We're going to tell people about it. Well, I think you would anyway. You may keep that to yourself. I don't know. You know, we found some miracle diet that just makes weight fall off of you. You know, we're going to tell people about it, right? Because if it changes us, we want to talk about it. Well, I believe change and salvation go hand in hand. 
A saved life is a changed life. Where there is no change, there's no evidence of salvation. So this transforming power that we're talking about that is found in the gospel must first make a difference in us. And as it makes a difference in us, we begin to tell others about it and it begins to make a difference in them. If Christ is personally changing your life, you're going to tell other people about it. Because it's a transformational power. I believe today, again, more than any other day that we live in, we need that power. And in that power, we'll see a huge difference. And maybe for you, it's just touching two or three lives. Maybe for you, it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. But once you change within you, you see that change taking place within you. Then you share that with someone else. That God begins to change them with the power of the gospel. Then they go out and reach others, and it just begins to spread. That's the way it began on the day of Pentecost, and that's the way it continues on today. Thirdly, if we're going to be successful, then we must understand the promise of hope that it offers. It says, for everyone who believes. The word therefore believes means trust or faith. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, that means everyone. Everyone. We all fall under those two categories, whether they're Jews or we're Gentiles. And Jesus died that all may come to Christ. He died that every one of us could have this promise of hope. And this promise of hope is offered to everyone who will receive it. Do you know anyone today who needs a little hope? You ever been around a group of people that didn't need a little hope? We live in a day that people desperately need hope. Let me explain what this hope is. You know, we put hope in man. We put hope in a politician that he's going to fulfill the promises that he's made. That's called unforeseen hope. (laughs) And most of the time, unseen hope. But we put hope because why? Because what he's saying we like. Or what she's saying we like. And we're hoping that that will happen and that will come about. And that we'll see that difference. We're hoping it's a hope so type of hope. Well, the kind of hope that we have in Christ, and we use the same word, is a guaranteed hope. Why? Because we're not hoping in something that might happen. We're hoping in what has already happened. You see, Jesus has already fulfilled the promise when he died on the cross. When he died on Calvary's hill. And so when you tell someone about Jesus, when you tell someone about his grace, you tell someone about his mercy, you tell someone about his love, you tell someone about salvation, when you explain to them how they can be saved, you're offering them a hope that is guaranteed. It's already happened. It's already been taken care of. The hope that we have been given is that Jesus Christ has taken away from us the penalty and the punishment of sin has overcome power, the power of sin. Do we truly understand the gospel message and the hope that it provides? You see, the gospel says this. We're sinners. Don't get offended. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We're born sinners through the sin of Adam. And then we've all sinned. 
we're all sinners. The problem is that 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 sin separates us from God. Because he's righteous, he's holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And so we have a dilemma there. Here we are as sinners. Here the air is holy God. And we cannot connect. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. In his death, he paid the penalty of our sin. He took the punishment of our sin and he overcome the power of sin so that we who are sinful can put our faith in his sacrifice and his atonement for our sin and be deemed righteous. He breathed the gap between God and man and removed sin as an obstacle for that relationship. But only through Christ can we have a relationship with God. Only through Christ can we have the promise of eternity. And that's the hope we've been given. And that's the reason to shout, by the way. That's the hope we've been given. And I told the first crowd this, that's the best deal I've ever seen. You don't have to do anything. It's a debt that you cannot pay. There's no way you can earn it on your own. There's nothing you can do to accomplish it by yourself. All you have to do is say, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for my sin and I'm putting my faith in his death and his crucifixion on the cross and you can have his forgiveness and be made whole. It's a great deal. And that's the hope. That's the message that we carry around. Now, there's millions of people around the world who confess to be Christians. Millions here in the United States. Christianity is the most numerous affiliated group as far as all the religious bodies out there. And so it's the largest number of people who confess to be Christians. Now can you imagine if you took those millions of people that were reaching one person here, one person there, their family member, their friend, their co-worker, their neighbor, uh, their people they hang out with, and we began to reach them with this message of hope. Now, all of a sudden, this difference that we didn't feel like we could make, we're making. Because we're all working together, taking on our own responsibilities of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It takes boldness. It requires it. It demands transformation, and it offers the promise of hope. And so can we say today, along with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity to share Jesus with the lost and dying world. Now with this one thing in mind, uh, let me lay out for you our strategy for missions or our strategy to help fulfill the Great Commission. Here it is in one word. You. You are our strategy. You're the greatest resource we have available to us. You're connected in groups of people that we have no clue who they are. You have a circle of friends. You have family members. You have co-workers. You have neighbors. You're out here in a community. You're already there. And so you are our strategy. Every one of us have been given the responsibility to do this one thing. 
Golden Corner Church is simply a group of people made up of individual followers of Christ who have come together with a common faith, a common purpose, to meet a common goal. But as a church, as a group, we can't accomplish anything until each individual person buys in, takes ownership of the fact that they have responsibility to tell people and do this one thing. And as each individual buys into this, and they begin to do this one thing, fulfill the Great Commission, then all of a sudden you begin to see incredible, miraculous things take place here within our church. But guys, it takes us all doing our part. Every one of us taking responsibility. Stepping up to the fact that God has called us to do this one thing, just as he did the Apostle Paul. What are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to give? What are we willing to do to do this one thing? So what can we do as leadership to help you do this one thing? There's two things I want to mention here in closing. Number one, we want to equip you. We want to equip you by providing various ways in which we can teach you how to win the circle of influence in your life. Now this year we're going to have a Bible study that we're going to go through with our life groups. Kind of a training to help people understand how they can reach their circle of influence. What the gospel is. How they can share the gospel. How they can intentionally reach groups of people. Outside of that We want to offer individual training. If you're not in a small group and your group's not going through that, but you're interested in being equipped, come see me, come see Tim, come see Ronnie. We we would love to sit down with you and help you. Our goal this year is that every single person who desires to be equipped to share the gospel message will take advantage of that. They may take a while in order to do it, But we want everybody here to feel comfortable in the fact that they can go out and they can share the gospel and they can reach their family members, they can reach their friends, they can reach their co-workers or neighbors and so on and so on. When we're equipped to do the job, we're more likely to do the job. So our goal is to equip you because you are the strategy. Secondly, we want to empower you. I just want to answer two questions here. Number one, why mission teams? One of the ways we're going to empower you is offer you mission opportunities. We have three different mission opportunities for you, mission teams. We have our Eleuthera mission team. This year will be their 20th trip to Eleuthera. That's incredible. 20 years of going to Eleuthera. I went with them last year, and the one thing that really stood out to me is everywhere we went, they knew who Golden Corner Church was. I can tell you this. We are every bit as famous, if not more famous, in a Luther than we are here. They know who Golden Corner Church is. And how did that happen? 20 years of investing, witnessing, ministry in that one area. I'm signing people up right now for that trip. We've got about half the number that we're probably going to take, about 25. So if you're interested in doing that trip this year, I'll be standing right over here against the wall. For some reason, they always put me on this wall. When everybody stands up, the first thing they do is look this way. And now I'm standing over looking at the back of everybody's head. So don't forget about me. I'm going to be standing right over here. I don't know. That's just where I fall on the totem pole, I guess. But um, if you got any questions about it, you don't have to sign up today. i got information over here for you that will help explain a little bit more about that trip. 
We got two other teams. We got our Carpenters for Christ team, and we got our El Salvador team. Our El Salvador team is going to be leaving in January. Now, we're going to do this individually. Later on, I'll promote those two teams so that we can put more time in investing in them and uh, promoting those teams and letting you know all about what they're about and what they do. But right now, we're doing Eleuthera, okay? It's going to be leaving the last week in June. If you're interested, come see me. We'll talk about it. But that's our three mission teams. What do they do? They give you an opportunity to do missions and share the gospel beyond where you live. The Bible teaches that we are to make disciples of what? All nations, right? It tells us in Acts 1-8 that we are going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? The uttermost parts of the world. This is not an either-or thing. It's an and. In other words, we don't have to do one or the other. We can do both. And I believe in order to be a Great Commission church and fulfill a Great Commission, we have to do both. And so we're going to be reaching around the world as well as at home. Now, why mission partners? We have five different mission partners. We have all that information right outside these doors right here. You can go out there. We've got brochures for each one of these ministries. And we're very proud to partner with these five mission partners. I honestly believe that each one of these is making a huge difference here in Oconee County. I guess the question is, then why don't we just put all our money together and just go out and do our own thing? Well, this is what we have discovered. There's organizations right here in Oconee County that are doing it and doing it really, really well. They are resourced, they are focused, and they have a heart and passion for it. Go over and talk to Ashley at Christ Central. Go talk to Miss Kelly over at Foothills Pregnancy Care Center. You're going to find out very quickly that these people are extremely compassionate. I mean, compassionate where they are passionate and compassionate. They're contagious. You won't be around them long and then you won't want to be working with them. Listen, it only makes sense for us to partner with ministries that are already in the work and work alongside them. Henry Blackaby, several years ago in Experiencing God, uh, made this quote, and, and, and it's always stuck out to me. He said, find out where God is at work and go join him. And I believe financially and in every way, partnering with these ministries here in Oconee County it's our way of connecting to this community. Now, there's other things that we do. We've got several life groups that are involved in doing missions and things here in our community. We've got one life group right now that's uh, siding a house. We've got another one that has built a ramp. We've got another one that's going to be building a ramp. Listen, we've got all kinds of things going on. There's all kinds of different ways to do this. And there's other ideas that we have that we're tossing around right now that we can get involved in our community. The bottom line is this. We want to empower you. There's not going to be any excuse not to get involved in the community that we live in because there's opportunities there for you. If you're interested in working with any of our mission partners, come and talk to me. I can put you in touch with the people that can help you get involved and help you do the work that they're doing. So we've got mission teams and we've got mission partners. All of these are to empower you, to give you opportunities. But guys, I don't want you to leave here today thinking about mission teams, I don't want you to leave here today thinking about mission partners. Because I want to come right back to what our strategy is, and that's you. If you leave here today and all you're thinking about is, well, should I or should I not go on a mission team trip, or should I should I not get involved with one of our mission partners, you've missed it. Because the real issue here is this, what are you going to do with the people in your life, in your circle of influence? Several years ago, 
I had a cousin who was dying of AIDS. He lived a homosexual lifestyle. He was a great guy. He was really good at what he did for a living. I found out that they had brought him home and he was dying. I passed right by his house every day on the way to school to pick up my daughters. Every day, drove by there, thought about him. He lived there alone with his mother, who's just the two of them. And while I was driving by there one day, I felt God say to me in my heart, you need to stop and talk to him. And I didn't know where he stood with God. I didn't know that he didn't go to church. And as far as I knew, there was no evidence that he was a Christian. I didn't know. And God impressed on my heart for me to stop by there. And this was my answer. Okay, God, I'll do that one day. Always busy, always running, always waiting the last minute to go pick up my girls from school. I hated sitting in that line, burning up or freezing. Every day I'd say the same thing, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll stop by there tomorrow. I'll leave a little earlier tomorrow. Until about two weeks later when I rode by there, there was a wreath on the door. You see, I'll never know. what his situation was, whether he was right with God or not. I'll never know. I'll never know if anybody else took upon themselves to go by and talk with him. And that's kind of was my hope. Because see, the bottom line is this. God asked me to. And I didn't. So now I have to live with the fact that I disobeyed God, didn't do what he said, and because of that, I have no assurance where my cousin is right now. And I can't change that. I guess, so to speak, I'm living with his blood on my hands. And one day I'll answer for it. If I had to do it all over again, I'd have made the time. If I could turn back time, I would have stopped. I just about bet some of you sitting here today, you have somebody in your life just like that. Somebody that you know, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's a neighbor, co-worker, Somebody that you know that needs to hear about Jesus. And you've been waiting for the opportunity or you've been putting off the opportunity to do that. Maybe it's because you don't feel equipped to do it. Maybe it's because you're just afraid of what they would say. or Maybe it's just because you don't want to. Maybe you don't care. But guys, I will tell you this, there comes a time when it's too late. When there's nothing you can do, and it's too late. 
I've had the opportunity to talk with people within the last 24, 48 hours of their life and share Christ with them. Some of them got saved, some of them didn't. But I felt like I did all that I could do. And really, that's all we can do. But till my dying day, I will never forget my cousin. Because it was my responsibility. And I failed him. Guys, we can do all the mission trips in the world. And I want to add more in the future. We can have all the mission partners. We can get involved in everything going on in this county. Everything. Ministering to every need. But if you're not reaching those people in your life, we fail. So this year, we want to equip you and empower you to do the one thing that God has commanded all of us to do. And that is fulfill the Great Commission. Let us pray. Father, we realize today that we have a responsibility. We can't put that off on anyone else. We can't make excuses. It's our responsibility. God, as everyone is seated with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I pray that each one of us right now in our own heart will make a commitment that we're going to go to that person. That we're going to love them. We're going to share Christ with them. We're going to invite them to church. We're going to do whatever we have to do to make a difference. Start impacting the lostness in this world. Give us boldness. Transform us. And God, may we carry this message of hope to everyone. Lord, forgive us where we have failed and disobeyed. And help us to never pass up another opportunity again to tell others about Christ. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Enable us to do your work. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you guys go, I just want to tell you about a little offering that we're starting today. It's called Project Embrace. We did this last year with a goal of $10,000. We were able to raise that $10,000 last year. And those monies went to offset the cost of the mission teams, the people who go on our mission trips. And it's a great help to them. They sacrifice time, vacation, family to go on these trips. And so we just want to help them with the expenses that are uh, part of these mission trips. And so starting today to however long it takes us, it may take us a year, six months, but we want to raise $10,000 in our Project Embrace. We're going to chart uh, our giving out here with that so that you can see every week. But I want you to pray about what you want to contribute to that. 
Uh, pray for our mission teams. Pray for our mission partners. Invest and go. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful day.